0: Thank you, worship team. Hey, you guys can have a seat. My name is uh, Eric Siderud. I'm the lead pastor down in uh, Brigham City, Alpine Church in Brigham City. I'm so glad to be invited to be welcome to come up and share with you guys today in the last week of our message on the church has left the building. Um, I'm excited. I want to tell you a little bit more about myself before I get into it, but also go along with the message a little bit. But uh, some things about me is that i 'm kind of a very transparent person, black and white, very direct. You know I sometimes offend people because i I just kind of tell it how it is often and, uh, and and the person I probably offend the most in my life is my wife uh, she 's going to be up here in the second service, but she knows i 'm talking about her, but I, I offend her often and uh, but one of the things that I think uh, about myself is that i 'm the humblest guy I know because I can, because I can um, use my words very well when i 'm ready to say sorry or repent i 've always thought that i 'm like i 'm quick to say sorry i 'm quick to own up to everything that i 've done, and I, I make a detailed list and i 'm like, okay. I've said sorry and I've spelled it out for you. What else do you need from me after I've offended you? And, and she's not really all about the words, but she's more about the action, right? She, she wants to see my humility played out in how I change, you know, how my behavior changes. And uh, that's probably not abnormal for a lot of you. And it's definitely not just in marriage where we struggle with this issue, where we use a lot of words, but we don't back it up with our action. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. In the early uh, Christian church, they thought it was important to back up the message with action. So we've been talking about how... There's a, the essential message and mission, which is the message of the gospel of Jesus and the truth about Him and how they were to go to take it to the ends of the earth. And, and that's great, and I still think that's the most important thing, but uh, maybe you're here today, and maybe you're not even a Christian yet, and you're wondering, you know, why do these people think that their message just comes through so clearly and that I want to just receive it, right? And maybe you're a Christian here today, and you're thinking how come these guys just don't get it? I've shared it so many times, I've invited them to church and they just don't come. Why doesn't the world understand the message of Christianity? Well, that's going to bring us to our our next slide or our, our, our point here today, which is the essential service loving those in need. We've we've said that it's essential to have a message, a mission. The Bible is essential to guide us in that, but now we're talking about loving people in need so that we can share the message so they'll be open to hear God's word because I think a lot of people are sick of hearing people just talk and not seeing people put it into action. And I think the early church as we get into the book of Acts, that's what we've been looking at in this series as we get into that, we'll see how the early church thought it was very important to not just share words, but to live it out in their lifestyle and prove our love and prove our faith by loving others and helping the poor and the powerless and the people that, that don't necessarily get to be able to do all the, the things that we all get to do. Uh, going to find the outcast and reaching out to them, meeting people's needs. That's what the first century church was all about. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, pull up Acts chapter 3, we'll be in verses 1 through 11. But I also have the verses up on the screen here, we're going to read through these. We've already been through this story, but in a different way. Uh, A few weeks ago we talked about how the Word was the foundation. Uh, But this is the thing that sets up that story, because after this, Peter ends up sharing the message after doing something very practical for this person's needs. So here we are, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them, and all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God." When, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. <clears throat> so I want to jump right into these verses and get right to my point here. We're going to walk through these verses a little bit, but my first point is this, that the early church was committed to helping the poor and the powerless. Okay, we see this as they're walking into a prayer meeting and they see a man asking for alms. He's been uh, basically paralyzed for his entire life and he's asking for money because his economic situation, right? If he's paralyzed, can't really make money. They didn't have probably a democracy like we have where we take care of a lot of people with our taxes and stuff. But he's sitting outside of this, the, the temple area asking for money. And Peter and John, what did they do? They, they zero in on him when he asks. And so oftentimes for us, and I'm just going to be honest about myself, is sometimes uh, we pull up to a stop sign and there's someone asking for money on the corner. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes that's an uncomfortable moment where you're like, you know, trying to you just hoping the person in front of you would please just drive off so I, I don't have to feel uncomfortable here. You try not to look at them a little bit, right? I mean, I'm just being real, being honest. That happens sometimes. I'm not saying I do that all the time, but Peter and John, they zero in on the guy as they're walking in. Like some of us would be like, uh, oh, I'm I'm late to my prayer meeting. I can't stop and talk to that guy. I really want to. But I've got a Bible study to go to. And and so uh, Peter and John, they walk in or or they walk up to him and they say, you know, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. They heal this guy. Okay, so they didn't give him money, but what they did would have been better than any temporary little bit of funds that they could give him because they were actually healing his, his way to actually make money. So now, after him being healed, his economic status would have changed forever. Now he can go out and work for himself. And they did it in the name of Jesus. They didn't just do something nice for him and leave. But they said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's really, you know, what it means when you say something like a prayer or whatever, in Jesus' name. It's not like a quick little like, okay, seal this prayer up, Jesus, and you'll only hear it if I say in Jesus' name. But really what that means is, in accordance with your will, I pray, you know. And so, in the name of Jesus, he wants you to be healed so that your life can be changed. That's what he, they give to him. And there's so many examples of this in the New Testament where the early church cares about the poor and the powerless. Let's look at this next verse here uh, in Acts 4, 34. It says, there were no needy people among them because who, those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money of the apostles to give to those in need. <clears throat> What's going on here is that he's talking about among them, okay, they're talking about inside the church. So it's not always about taking care of people's needs outside of the church, but the Bible is actually very clear about. It says especially to those in the household of faith. Uh, God really wants us to take care of the people inside the church so that we can go and make an impact on the world. There definitely shouldn't be poor and powerless and people that aren't getting any help inside of the church. And this is how the first century Christians handled it. Some people had a better economic status than others, and so they would lower their social status of living and sell off land and things so that the church organizationally could meet people's needs in in a bigger way, make a bigger impact, right? Because we can individually meet people's needs, but when the church comes together as an organization um, and meets people's needs, we can make a far greater impact. And so a lot of you guys maybe know that we do Missions Week at the end of every year, where we take a few days or a week to care about people overseas or we pack thousands of meals or we pack backpacks full of stuff for missionaries to take down to Mexico. And oftentimes, this is the same thing when we when we say give above and beyond to this cause. It's so that we can come together, kind of like what's going on in Acts chapter 4. So that we can come together and do something greater than just one person can. And that's the job of the church, is to be able to come together and care about the poor and the powerless. But it's not just organizationally. There's also a personal example of that Uh, in Acts chapter 9. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which means in Greek, Dorcas. By the way, if you've ever been called that, that just means you're a generous person. But she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and placed in an upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing Peter the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. And so here we see an example of a woman... In the, in the New Testament, who is known for her generosity. She's known for her love and charity for people. And you know how we know about it? First of all, the Bible tells us about it. But secondly, at her funeral, so many people are gathered together and they're showing Peter, look what she made for me. Look at this stuff that she did for me. And I've had the opportunity to uh, do uh, quite a few funerals as as a pastor, and, and it's not always a sad thing, okay, because one thing I get joy in is seeing all the people brought together when someone passes away, and, and and you can tell the the person that had done a lot of work and love in the name of Jesus, it brings all kinds of people together from all walks of life. It's not just family members, but all walks of life, people that wouldn't normally know each other come and they celebrate this person's life because they did so much for the community. They reached out to so many people, had a loving, kind heart. And I wish, I wish that when I pass away one day, that my funeral would be, would be filled with people that said, Look, this person loved me so much that they were willing to do this or this, and it just brings all kinds of people together that wouldn't normally be together. That's what we see uh, in that individual example. So the early church, you know, whether organizationally or individually, cares about the poor and powerless. Why? Because Jesus did. You see these disciples, the, the early church, they walked around with Jesus. The apostles, the definition of an apostle is to uh, walk with Jesus to have witnessed the resurrection, okay? So these guys walked around with Jesus for three years, and they realized through his model and his example that we should be caring about people outside of ourselves. We should be caring about it, our own brothers and sisters in the church, in our in our immediate families also, but then also outside of the church. We should be loving them so that we can share the message with them and so that they can hear the truth. And Jesus modeled this himself in his ministry. We know that he, he uh, uh, fed the, the hungry, right? He, he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and he, he healed people. He cast out demons. He did so many things to meet people's needs practically along with sharing the truth. And Peter actually reminds Uh, Some people, he goes to share the gospel over at uh, the first Gentile's house who who would become Christians. He goes over to give this gospel presentation to them. And it's interesting that he doesn't leave out the fact. Here in Acts chapter 10, right uh, one chapter after this, it says... And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's interesting to me that in his gospel presentation to go uh, spread the gospel, not just to the Jewish people, but now the Gentiles, he adds this in there, that he went around doing good and healing all because they took their example. So, the early church cared about helping the poor and the powerless because Jesus cared about it. But it wasn't just the first century Christians, right? It should continue on, and it has continued on. It's continued on for generations after that. And my next point is that Christians carried on this love for needy people throughout history. Christians carried on this love for needy people throughout history. Uh, Let me just give you a couple of different examples. First, they went around and shared this message everywhere. And people were bold enough to do that, okay? Uh, If you've been with us in this series, you've seen that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were able to do things that they weren't able normally to do in their own power and their own flesh. And so they went and shared this message. But also, in the 2nd and 3rd century, there were two plagues. In, In A.D. 165 and in A.D. 251, there were two terrible plagues They Sometimes last years or decades, way worse than COVID-19, a third of the population was wiped out during these plagues. And what were the Christians doing? They were taking care of the sick. They were going and reaching out to people, seeing how can I meet your needs? The pagans and the non-believers and the, the, the majority of population at the time, they were so scared of getting sick that they would take their loved ones and dump them on the street, And they would take their dead and they wouldn't bury them. They would dump them on the street. And so you have people lying in the road, dead or nearly dead. And the Christians come along, not scared, not hiding in their homes, but they come along and they nurse people back to health. And so the church explodes around this time, actually, because the pagan, the pagan world at the time was just astounded at the courageous faith of Christians willing to go out in the midst of danger to love on people, to care for people. And here's what the historian uh, Will Durant wrote about this in his book, called uh, History of Civilization. He says, Never had the world seen such a dispensation of alms as was now organized by the church. She helped widows, orphans, the sick or infirm, prisoners, victims of natural catastrophes. Pagans admired the steadfastness of Christians in caring for the sick, in cities stricken with famine or pestilence. Christians ran into danger while everyone else was running away. And so they left us a legacy to follow after, to live up to. I, I asked that question today, what are we doing now in this thing that we're going on? I know it's a confusing time. I know there's all kinds of voices out there. You don't know who to trust. You don't know what to believe on social media and news channels and all of that. And, and it's so confusing. And when we get wrapped up in it, we're, we're sometimes left in fear. And we don't know how to act, even as Christians, But these guys modeled it for us that they cared about loving people, needy people. Okay, so for us, I believe the church can grow just like they blew up and grew because, first of all, they took care of their own, and so the health of their own people was was able to make it through these plagues, but then they also took care of people, the needy outside of the church as well. And people started saying, wow, they're not hypocrites. They're putting their words into action. They really do have courageous faith and they actually love without wanting anything in return and actually they might experience consequences for going and loving people. How much is that like Jesus? Just ask yourself that question. Imagine him on the cross and all he did for us and all he suffered for us the risks he took for us in order for us to be healthy and saved. And so, by all means, right, I want us to be smart and healthy. I think we should definitely have really good hygiene. We should cough into our elbows. Whether it's we're in a pandemic or not, you should probably cough into your elbow. And, you know, we should, we should be smart. We should do elbow and fist bumps or whatever for a while. By all means, let's be smart. But by all means... Let's not neglect the people that are in need because of our own safety at the same time, right? If we have a brother and sister in Christ who can't make it to the store or can't uh, or or get sick and needs help and needs people around them, even in the hospital, will we have that type of faith to go visit them, to be with them, to take care of their needs? And by all means, right, if, if hospitals ever get crowded or overrun and they have to go into other buildings or something like that, then And they need volunteers. Who should be the first people volunteering? Who should it be? You guys can answer. The church, yes. Christians, yes. By all means, let us go out there and live courageous faith, lives that are willing to run into danger sometimes uh, for the good of other people because that's what Jesus did. And I don't know if you knew, but Christians helped establish, you know, basically a lot of hospitals. If you look around the country or around uh, over in Europe and other places, you'll see the names of uh, hospitals, right? Like Methodist so-and-so, you know, Saint so-and-so's hospital, uh, Baptist, Presbyterian, all these hospitals around the world were actually, they kind of come out of the Christian's heart to care for the needy and, and the sick and the poor and the powerless. And so now I wouldn't blame them for how, you, know, some of the, the corrupt stuff that's going on in hospitals nowadays, but, but Christians had the heart to continue to do the will of God, and that was to care for others. And when we do this, when we're marked out by our faith and our servitude and we serve others, then we can put our money where our mouth is, basically, when it comes to sharing the truth. When we serve others, it paves the way for the message of Jesus when we serve others when we live it out this way it paves the way for the message of Jesus now how many remember show-and-tell back in school. That was like one of my favorite times back in school. You could bring something in, like a Red Ryder BB gun. I mean, you can't do that nowadays, but (laughs) don't do that, kids, by the way. You can't do that. But uh, you could bring something in that you were really excited about, and you get to talk about it, and you're passionate about it, and you pass it around, and people can feel it and touch it and see it, and it's just an exciting time for the whole class, right? Well, in the same way, the Christian church... Uh, Christian individuals, we have this message of show and tell to give to the world, right? Not just a message of telling, but also showing as well. Show and tell would be extremely boring if there was no showing, right? It would be like you listening to me up here talking every day, all the time. It's good for 30 minutes once a week. <laughs> but show and tell uh, would be boring if it was all tell, and no show and in the same way i think sometimes the christian is all talk and no action sometimes the church is all about telling and and sometimes honestly there are people that won't even tell but we should be about both telling and showing the love of jesus and i think when we show them the love in tangible ways that is the most powerful evidence that God has come in to our hearts and changed our lives and helped us to not be so selfish anymore, to look out into the world and to be a light of the world. And here's what Jesus, this is what I believe Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 5 when he was talking about being, sorry, <laughs> the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Nobody does that. He's saying that's irrational. That's not logical for me to light a flame in you and then you cover it up so nobody else can see it. He says nobody does that, but they place it on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And then he goes on. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is what Jesus meant when he said, go out there and live it out, okay? Go live this life and go show the love to people like I modeled for you, like I'm doing now, because he's at this time preaching to them from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what's going to get people's attention, not just people that are all talk, but people that are about action. It's kind of like with Peter and John in this story that we read at the first, right? It said the guy got up and went into church with them afterwards, but, but they met his need first. They healed the guy, okay? And so now he was willing to get up and go to church. It's like, you know, it's like gardening, right? You sometimes have to break down the soil a little bit, give it some nutrients, make it healthy, then plant the seed, and then you have something healthy grow, that's the same thing that happens when we share the message of Jesus. Sometimes we got to just maybe shut our mouths for a moment and go over to their house and help them out. Show up with something, right? Show up with something that, that, that can help them. Like how many of us have invited people to church so many times and we're like, I wonder why they haven't come yet. And my question is, have you ever had them over for dinner? Have you ever asked them if you could help them outside of just speaking at them? And I think that's the heart of what Jesus is trying to get at. So for us, what can we do to help people notice God? First of all, let's be like Peter and John, not walk right past people. Let's be willing to engage people, even when it's uncomfortable. And two, we can also just think about our circle of influence around us. Who is at work who is at church? Who is uh, my neighbor or someone down the street, a friend, how can I, what's going on in their lives? How can I show them that I care? Can I go over to my neighbor's house and help them with a project, not expecting something in return, and then eventually say, hey, you know, what, what, what do you believe? What's your, where's your faith at? What'd, what'd you grow up believing? You know, things like this, where we can, we can uh, take a meal to someone who needs it. And thirdly, We can look for programs that are already set up in the church or in the community, or we can get them started. Uh, One thing we did down in Brigham City, um, there was a question posed to, to me a long time ago, and it really hit me hard. It says, if your church closed today, would you be missed by the community? That's a tough question to answer. If we closed today, would the community at large really miss us? That's the question, and I said, oh my gosh. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, I said, okay, well, what? how do we find out how we can be a blessing to the community? And so, like five or six years ago, we put together a survey and went to Peach Days. And we had a booth, and we set, we listed a couple of different needs. Like, we had uh, marriage counseling and parenting classes and budgeting and addiction recovery. And we gave this list, and we, like, wanted people to rate. Which one would, would you, you know... Which one would you like the most and which would bless you? And for them, for Brigham City, they said, they said addiction recovery. They really needed help with that down there. And so it just so happened that me and my wife have a, a background in a history with addiction and recovery. And so we decided to start this group, Addiction Recovery Group. And it has been such a blessing. We're now five years later from that. And we've seen so many people never come to the church, but they come through the group because we're meeting a certain need, okay? And then in that group, we share the gospel message and we talk about how Jesus sets us free along with being a support to people and celebrating with people in their clean time and stuff. And so eventually they come into the church now because they feel not so judged by us and that we actually care and we love love them. And now now, in brigham we 've got a lot of guys that are uh, recovering addicts that are not not just serving but leading ministries and it 's just such a blessing to see and and so uh, but that 's you know not the only way that 's just an example that we 've used. We still need to grow in this as a church. We really do. I mean, if I can be quite honest and transparent, I believe Alpine Church as a whole needs to grow in the ministry of caring and loving. Uh, people outside of the church and we want to do that and we're trying okay but maybe you guys already have stuff going on here that you're you're involved in or you've heard about like I know there's a food pantry and 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 other things I've heard that you guys have wanted to start certain things like maybe a recovery group and maybe you've heard of Alpine Cares ministry that we have. And I have a quick video about that that I wanted to show you, if that's something that you're interested in. And then I want to get back up and close this thing out. So let's play that video really quick. So I I know you guys, how many have heard of or worked with that ministry before up here? A few of us? Yeah. And and just so you know, I mean, we're a multi-site church, and so sometimes it's hard to get these centrally organized things out and around to these Uh, the churches that are out here. So I'm in the box elder, and me and John, you know, we're always like, we need more stuff up here, right? And so, but we can't always be waiting for the church to start things too, right? Like, God gifted his people. You guys, right here, if you're a believer in Jesus, maybe Maybe you have a desire or a passion for this, or maybe a newfound one that's just coming right now where you, I just really want to help people. And sometimes we have this excuse like, well, Alpine Church isn't starting anything and making it easy for me, so I just can't do anything until they, they tell me what to do. But we can actually, I, I, would, I would challenge you, if there's something that you feel like should be started or you want to help get something going or you have some connections to get something going, then please pray about that and bring it to John and bring it to your leaders and just talk about how we can be a blessing to the community. Now I want to say one last thing: if you are not a Christian here today and um, you haven't considered this Jesus because it's all been about talk, and I hope I hope that through today that you've you've heard that we care more about just sharing words, but we want to love and practic- practical practical tangible ways. And so, you know, one thing about Jesus is, is that even though we're imperfect and we don't always do what we say we're going to do, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. God didn't just drop the Bible from heaven and say, follow those words and I'll see at the end. No, he says, you know what? I'm going to send my word down there. His name is Jesus. That John chapter 1 says he is the word. Word made flesh. He comes down, the Son of God, and He took care of our needs, and He He met with needy people, and He did miracles, and He healed people. But ultimately, He took care of our most important need. His whole mission in life was to go and to die on the cross, to be the sacrifice for your sins, my sins. Every time we've, we've gone against God or done that thing we didn't want to do, every time we've... Um, done something that we know that we shouldn't have, okay? He came and he died on the cross for our sins so that now we can be made right with God. We don't have to feel that guilt and that shame anymore. And if that's you today and you want to respond to that message, I would love to talk with you. We'll have pastors and leaders up front to pray with you before we go. God, would you guys pray with me? God, we come to you this morning. Father, knowing that um, sometimes life gets busy and hectic and we get confused by the world, and so um, we, we ask you to fill our hearts again with that fire, that passion, to make us a light to the world so that we're not just all about talk, but we can go out and be the church outside of the walls, that we can leave this church on Sunday and go figure out how can we stir people up to want to know you and know more about you by what we can do with our hands and our feet. And ultimately, the church is the body of Christ, your hands and your feet. So guide us, direct us, and lead us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.